3: My name's Julie Che and welcome to Crimeland. First of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you have enjoyed the episode, I'd really appreciate if you could rate or review it on iTunes. As well, just want to give a very quick disclaimer as ever, just to say that no offence is meant to anyone referenced in this episode. This week, I'm talking to the wonderful...
2: Sophie Shanley.
3: (laughs) Yay! About... Pamela
1: Smirch. To
2: no, have you ever heard of Pamela Smirch? Pamela Smart, never, never. Is is this UK or US? Where are we talking? It's
3: U. it's US of A, but do you know you mightn't have heard of Pamela Smart, but you probably have seen or at least heard of the film To Die For with Nicole Kidman. Is, is this Nicole- really any
2: bells? is this Nicole with the tumbling curls before like early Tom Cruise kind of stage? she's kind of okay so Nicole at
3: this stage is she's gone no more tumbling curls but she has gone for kind of a sleek but blonde bob and this film to die for was I mean it was probably about it was probably about 20 years ago I'm going to get the date on in here oh my god okay I need to sit down because I keep doing this saying things like it was probably 20 years ago it was actually (laughs) 25 years ago
2: Twenty-five right.
3: years ago, uh, but it was a it was essentially like a black comedy kind of dramatic film. But it also starred Matt Dillon, which was quite 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 a good Ooh. choice, I would say. At the time, I was just at those teen years where Matt Dillon was giving me the feeling. So, delighted you to you probably Matt Dillon. you
2: probably done the outsiders in school. You were feeling Matt. Oh, oh there he is. What, oh, what? Yeah, I like I like Rob Lowe
3: more. Do you know what? I just felt that Rob was such an obvious choice. Like, no, I no. felt my. I mean, Matt was very obvious as well. Who am I kidding? But the the other the other <laughs> speaking of outsiders, the other um, actor in this film as well. It's a great film. Is Waking Phoenix? Oh. So it was quite big at the time. And essentially, the story. So that film was based on this story, the story of Pamela Smart, who allegedly recruited a group of teenagers to murder her husband, Greg. Wow. Okay so it's 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 a really good story i think you're gonna like it okay i'm excited good old parry. i think yeah because i think you know it's just that whole thing of oh it's it's a little bit saucy okay it's a bit of a saucy one so let me tell you about pamela okay pamela and witches was born in Coral Gables, Florida. She is the second of three children with her sister Elizabeth six years older and her brother John three years younger. Her father worked as a pilot while her mother worked part-time as a legal secretary. When she was in okay. elementary school, so primary school, she moved with her family to Wyndham, New Hampshire. She then went to, college, went to high school in Derry, where she was a cheerleader. So she was your quintessential, like very pretty, very bubbly, you know, high school student. Daddy's After high school,
2: very nice life, I'd imagine as well yeah
3: but it's funny because yeah i would have thought pilot because it's interesting i was just talking to somebody today and they were saying you know his dad was like an Aer Lingus pilot and i was saying that like back in the day an Aer Lingus pilot like you were an irish rock star weren't you like, oh. you were an
2: Aer Lingus pilot like it was huge if, if you got a meet and greet with the pilot it was like meeting fucking boy Zone. it was like <laughs> up in the cockpit yeah. like yourself meeting the pilot
3: Yeah. So this, so uh, the funny thing is, is that Pamela's background seemed to be like very much middle class, like the dad was a commercial airline pilot. So I think maybe like obviously still a great job, but I don't think it was like Aer Lingus pilot, you know, okay. 1980s Ireland. It wasn't that level.
2: Ryanair, kind of.
3: Job, yeah, I, exactly. I'd say kind of a right. Ryanair job, like you know, I, I wouldn't say they're living in Dalkey, like not the New <laughs> Hampshire Dalkey.
2: So, <laughs> just the housing in Shankill or something.
3: I had to laugh because somebody not so long ago said to me they were trying to explain, um, Beverly Hills to me, and they said to me it's kind of like the Dorkey of Dublin. I was like, please don't, please don't try to explain <laughs> Beverly Hills. To me.
2: Oh, I mean, I mean <laughs> come
3: on. I know Matt Damon if they're while, but can we all just move on, please? Okay. <laughs> um, so. After high school, Pamela went on to college in Florida. She graduated in honours with a communications degree in 1988. And during her college radio career, she combined her passion for heavy metal music with her career aspirations. So this is one thing that marked Pamela from the beginning. She was super, super ambitious. So that really, really comes across in the film to die for. So she was also a metal head <laughs> yeah so she was mad it was this funny combo she was mad mad into heavy metal and she used to host a one night week radio show which she called metal madness if that does not confirm her status as a maiden of metal i don't know what does so pamela then met gregory smart and a 1986 new year's eve party can you imagine the, can you imagine the shoulder pads at that
2: I mean, if she's they going for shoulder pads, she might be yeah. going for more, you know, leather and lace, as they said back in the day. Could, you know, she might could,
3: been... I mean, at, at, like a nineteen eighty six New Year's Eve party. Anything was
2: going, really, wasn't it? So, do you think she would serious... have wanted, like? Sorry, I was going to go with like. Do you think she would have gone for like that motley crew kind of glam? look
3: or she's well she see do you know what looking at pictures of her she seemed to always be like a real glamour puss so even though she was into the metal i think it was more like she was just more straight glamour puss i think when when it came to
2: the brunette so she was blonde okay heather locklear i'm seeing here Oh,
3: Heather. What? That's actually a really... Do you know what? She probably was a bit of a Heather, with, but with a bit more puff. A bit more right. poof. Okay. Yeah, a bit more of a poof. So the, herself and Greg started a serious relationship. They married two years later. They both shared a passion for heavy metal music. Greg just seems to be this like quintessential... Like, just a nice guy. Like, people just had such nice things to say about Greg. He was absolutely obsessed with his wife. He bought her a Shih Tzu, and she named it Halen, after her (laughs) favourite rock group, of course, Van Halen. Seven months into Smart's marriage, yeah. (laughs) So seven months into their marriage, they did apparently begin to have problems in their relationship. Now, Greg was kind of very much like a traditional guy. Like they had the condominium, the cars, and he was really, really eager to start a family. But Pamela was much more like, like she would say in interviews later, I was a typical Leo. You know, I was just super ambitious. And it was kind of, you know, I liked being the centre of attention and I had certain things that I wanted to achieve, which is of course like completely fair enough. Like she's a Leo
2: woman. I hear you there. <laughs> Guess who else is a Leo? Me. <laughs> no. I, I love an old Leo. Sure. Do you know what? Sure, yeah. I,
3: hello, like I'm having a baby with one. So I, I'm definitely a fan of them. And like, I wouldn't, you know, at the time she was kind of, and again in the film to die for, which PS probably has, it's a great film, but probably hasn't aged that well in that she is kind of depicted as this kind of harlot. But okay. she was just this real career woman. And, you know, that's something that maybe the media used against her. But like, hello, she was a young woman, had her ambitions. Probably so, uh, again. What was her, she well, do? this is the thing. So she did media and communications in college and what she wanted to be was on television. So that was her big thing that she wanted to be on TV. But like, obviously, this doesn't happen straight away. So she had gotten married and just to tide her over, she took a job as a media coordinator at Winnicotted High School in Hampton, New Hampshire, so it wasn't her dream job, but she was like, "Look, I'll do it just for a while, and then ultimately, I can work towards my yeah, I can work towards my goal of getting on TV." So, Smart met uh, at Winnicott High School. She met this student called Billy Flynn. So straight away, he sounds like trouble, doesn't he, Billy Flynn? Like it's such a rock star name. So, she meets he, Billy Flynn? Is he Matt Dillon? Yeah he's played by I mean he has to be played by Matt and do know really? you know what I'm going to send I'm going to I'm going to send you a pic this guy tomorrow it, like the real life Billy Flynn he he was basically Paul McCartney like he's the head of Paul <laughs> McCartney as a teenager A little soft
2: face little gormless soft face like Paul McCartney Oh it? my god he's
3: big puppy dog eyes and like he was <laughs> gorgeous gorgeous as a teenager so billy flynn she met him at the ironically called project self-esteem a local drug awareness program in which they're both volunteers so she of course really impressed him because she was blonde she was very pretty she was only 22 so oh, then a few years old than him. yeah well and, and now, now he was 15 but but this is it. Yes, yeah, so she married young. She was a few years older than the kids. They had the same taste in music. So, like, the kids liked her. They really did. Smart also met another intern named Cecilia Pierce, who was friends with Billy Finn. Flynn, a sophomore, was always going out of his way to be helpful during sessions and also visited Smart every day in her office. Soon the relationship turned...
2: Why am I not surprised? ...sexual. Yes, sexual. Sexual. I I thought you meant that, Julie, but I'm glad you clarified. Sexual. Once (laughs) more, go on. Sexual.
3: (laughs) I mean, and like, I mean, by the way, like, just, just remind ourselves now. You know, because obviously, we want to. You know, we don't want to we want to be a little bit neutral here when yeah. we're telling the story, but like, bearing in mind, she met him when he was 15, okay, oh. and she was 22. Oh, he's 15. Yeah, like
2: gross. Right. Yeah. What see, so seen be like, a 15-year-old, to be honest with you? So you smell, like, well, I mean, bloody, I don't know, smelly bedroom and a dirty, sega console I just,
3: yeah i just feel now she claimed that the relationship didn't turn sexual till he was 16 but i mean we're splitting hairs here to be honest it's so, uh, too uh, much
2: like the old elvis claim that he didn't shag bloody priscilla uh, like years,
3: come on yeah they come on it's just so look okay yeah it's 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 all a bit weird so Billy Flynn ran with the crowd so his buddies were um uh, he had a couple of buddies uh, the main buddies being patrick randall and then vance latim junior who was known as jor they were all very... The three of them were very close and some people used to refer to them as the three musketeers. How and then <laughs> know, How did they up with that? Pamela, meanwhile, became really, really close to Cecilia Pierce. So she was this 15-year-old who was kind of working on an internship and it's depicted very well in the movie Typhur. So she really idolised Pamela because Pamela obviously was this... You know when you're at that age you actually really want a cool older buddy? Yeah. So... Pamela Basie became besties with this 15-year-old girl called Cecilia. So the the murder of Greg Smart then, the murder of Pamela's husband. So on the May 1st, 1990... Uh, Pamela came home from work to find her condominium, condominium ransacked and her husband murdered. Now, murders were very, very rare in Derry, New Hampshire. It was a really quiet, peaceful town. The population was about 32,000. In fact, this was the only murder in Derry this that year. So it just was a very safe place to live. Burglaries, too, were extremely rare. So on the surface, the crime scene looked like a bungled burglary. But Captain Jackson, who was the captain in the town at the time, he kind of noticed that maybe, you know, a lot didn't fit in with his, like this theory that this was a burglary. There were a few red flags for him. Okay, So he would later say, the scenes don't tie heaven. Uh, Not much was making sense. It's not like um, Dirty Teenage Boy's. Was that the snow? <laughs> it sound like pit fri. <laughs> So he said 10 years later in an interview, he said, Not much was making sense. There was no sign of forced entry. It was a nighttime burglary in a very densely populated area, and it was an execution style killing. So Jackson didn't think it was a burglary. He said, There were no signs of a struggle. Burglars don't usually fight. They don't pack guns. There were red flags all over the place. Even if it was a burglary, the police knew that burglars don't usually go armed. Crime statistics show show that burglars rarely commit homicide and when they do kill it is non-execution style the way Gregory Smart was murdered. So what, what do you so mean? What, like, did they
2: shoot him in the head? Was that it? Or?
3: Oh it was awful. So he was kneeling down when he was shot. Okay. And they shot him at close close blank Ooh. range. So he was shot in the head close blank range and on his knees, it was so that's what they meant by execution, okay. so which is obviously a very personal way to kill someone,
2: yeah, he's really getting in there, isn't he? And probably, I'd imagine very messy crime scene.
3: yeah, no, it just it 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 just didn't it, it, the scene itself was well, what they felt about the crime scene was that it was staged. so they really didn't think that this was an actual burglary. and like, it, a robber would go in more
2: like with a knife, wouldn't he? Or, you know, whatever's close to hand oh, to just yeah. kill them quick.
3: Get out, yeah, get out.
2: So they. Exactly
3: that. So they said, like, look, it's actually really unusual. Like, usually, if if a, a burglar kills, sorry, it's actually almost... <laughs> I
2: sounded like a seven-year-old. there saying robber, a robber.
3: <laughs> no, but it's but but, but sure. Look, it's mu- it's much much yeah. like it's synonymous. But, but like usually, if somebody is killed during a burglary, it's it's not. When I say it's not intentional, it's you know the burglar panics, they're interrupted, yeah. and it's a messy death. Whereas this seemed to be very carefully orchestrated. So this did not fit with the burglary theory at all. Like it just, it just wasn't adding up. So obviously, given that it was a homicide, the first suspect is always the the spouse. So they looked at Pamela And, of course, she had an airtight alibi. She had been at a school meeting in, like, in the school in Hampton. So there was no way, like, you know, she could have actually, you know, done this. Okay, spoiler alert. All roads were pointing to Billy Flynn and his two mates, Jay and team and Pete Randall. These kids would later confess everything to a classmate and then the police. But from the start, all evidence would point in their direction. And then in Stephen Stowecki's book, Teach Me to Kill, he paints the following picture. So his take on it was basically that Pamela's message had been to Billy. So Billy then uh, would later contend, so say Billy would maintain that, uh, this murder came about because Pamela's message was, "If you love me, you'll kill my husband," and that Billy had agreed to kill Greg because he believed that was the only way that he could be with Pamela, and that he had roped in his two friends to do this as well. Wow!
2: But also, was Greg being a real bastard, or did she just did she just think it was easier to just get rid of him and start the new life of Billy? Like, why? well
3: this is the thing yeah so he wasn't he wasn't a bastard now she claimed that he had told her that he had had an affair so that wasn't corroborated after the fact but by absolutely no means was he an asshole like not at all so Billy and the two lads basically maintained that they were under the impression that Pamela She was the one who was really calling the shots here. So Pamela, apparently, this is again according to Billy Flynn, had told Billy that May first would be his last chance at killing Greg. So Billy would claim later on that Pamela had asked him numerous occasions because they had this sexual affair.
2: Yeah, Uh, kill her husband. sexual Sexual affair
3: yeah uh, so so she had said to billy on numerous occasions look if you want to be with me you need to kill my husband and it had kind of started out as this almost like this kind of running joke but then she just became more serious with it and that and the lads would claim that you know she was the one who orchestrated the whole thing and that billy and the boys had chickened out a couple of times and that she had said to them okay This is your last chance now, okay, Billy? This is it. May the 1st, you need to kill this man, which, of course, is when Greg had been killed. It's strange
2: that, like, her first solution to getting rid, like, to just getting out of the relationship is just bump him off, get rid, like, actually, physically kill him so he can never come back, like
3: well yeah he he had said because billy had said to pamela like would you not just divorce him again and again of course you see this is he said she said billy maintained oh well he she said that i i can't divorce him because greg is obsessed with me so he will follow me everywhere and he won't let me have a boyfriend pamela excuse moi. (laughs) yeah so she was like no that's not an option he must die So the plan to kill Greg was simple enough. Although numerous discussions took place between Billy, or and Pete, in time they settled with Pam's plan, which was that the boys were going to wear dark clothes, Billy was going to tie his long hair back, they were going to park by the shopping plaza, Pam was going to leave the cellar door open, as well as the rear doors for Bill and Pete to enter the condominium and then staging it to look like a burglary, God. which would explain it's really why there was no horse entry. It's really
2: isn't it? Wear dark clothes, open the door. Like in the back door. Like it's, yeah. it's really, like, they're clearly 15. Also, the fact that the two friends have absolutely nothing to gain out of this. But they're just like, well, oh, oh, the, the cool uh, friend of ours uh, says we should do it. Uh, so we'll just kill him. Like, it's
1: just.
3: I mean, yeah. And you know what? It's, yeah. 100% it, as you say it really is the work of young teenagers like the fact that as you say they, they these lads themselves were gaining nothing from this I mean Billy had a vested interest obviously he was he was like,
2: drowning Pamela like the other two were getting absolutely sweet FA
3: they were getting nothing, and ultimately, like what? I mean, the only thing possibly—the only thing you could say that was propelling them to do this was a loyalty to Billy. And I just feel that's a friendship test too far.
2: Ah, it is. It is. You know, whatever about like you know, holding your hair back and getting sick, or you know, popping in a taxi at the end of a night out like this is a good few many steps too far. In my, I mean, and you'd love, yeah, and you'd
3: love to say to them, look, okay, if Billy stops speaking to you guys, you have two years left in high school okay? You're not going to be speaking to your mates in 10 years anyway. You'll go off, you'll do college, you'll make new friends. There's no need to kill this
2: innocent man. You know what? Just to keep him on side. Billy sounds like the kind of guy that, you know, Bruce Springsteen's song Glory Days is about. You know, he's having his moment. People, People believe it. People think he's great. A few years time, nobody will give a shit about Billy. You know, well, yeah. I think. I mean, it's, it's, I'm gonna send you it's, it's, small pond. You know, that's cool. well. I'm gonna send you
3: the before and after it, Billy. So let's just say Billy no longer looks like Paul McCartney. So you're right. Like glory days. That's just a small window where you look like Paul McCartney. Mm,
2: yeah, really. That's hyper. Springsteen and glory days I thought that was quite profound when I, I said it and then as soon as I said I, it I was like put it back in your mouth that sounds really
3: <laughs> I love it I love a bit of Bruce I love a bit of Bruce
2: would you, would you the still only- go for a bit of Bruce because I would I think it would be
3: oh, great 100% think- absolutely and I love I love that he married a Redhead as well. Oh. Like, oh, like, I,
2: I always thought I had a chance with them because know. of that. And, and he puts on some show. He's like smacking his own arse singing for like three plus hours. He's great.
3: He's, I mean, I, I, honestly, I just know my only bone of contention with Bruce, if you are listening to Grindeland, is I did go to see his movie. You know, he had that country album, which he recorded in his barn last summer. Is this the one that he put Broadway? He, Yes, and then well, he recorded this in his in his barn. But then there was this cinematic experience where you went to, like, essentially watch uh, however many ten music videos in a row, and in between he gave it a little story. And I the ticket because it was a quote cinematic experience, even though it was happening in Liffey Valley, which I think we'd all agree is not a cinematic experience. But um, did you
2: get the glasses? Did you get three D glasses?
3: Oh, I think, I think we might have because, gotten glasses. Yeah, if so,
2: glasses. to get a close-up of Bruce's art. I, I think,
3: I think, yeah, I think there could have been a bit of that. <laughs> but the tickets were like, the tickets were like 20 euros,
2: Sophie, which I just thought was complete bullshit. I mean, come on, Bruce, who do you think you are? It's it's a little bit self-improvement, yeah. a bit of commentary between his music videos, like... I I mean I say that with love because I love Bruce but I felt it was I mean 30 more quid and you can probably have a really chit seat and see him actually do a concert
3: yeah no I I, I think you know I'd still go there Mm -hmm. I would but I would definitely like after we've gone there I would mention to Bruce listen I just want to, I just, I know we're both in relationships. That's a whole other thing. But I just want to talk about the cinematic yeah. experience, how overpriced that well, was.
2: If if I, if I end up shagging Bruce, I'll um, post coitally just have a word with him about that whole cinematic experience and just say, look, Julie wasn't into it, so don't do it again. And I'm sure he'll be, you know, he'll take it on board. He won't, he won't do it again. He won't take your 20 euro uh, again for that tripe, for that yeah. tripe he delivered. <laughs> Oh,
3: if do you know what it really was, and Jesus, if we think it's tripe, I honestly, it was just, yeah, no. So, no. So, <laughs> <Sorry>. the investigation. <laughs> Back to the story. The investigation is obviously in full swing. This is a small town. They're like what the fuck? The wife has an airtight alibi. What? But they just smell something fishy about the whole thing. None of it's making sense. So the police are investigating and J.R.'s dad mm-hmm. brought a pistol which he had found in his house into the police because he was very suspicious of his son and his friends. They had somehow been involved in this crime. He brought it in an He said, I think this might have been used in the murder. Also, an anonymous tip came in that indicated Cecilia Pierce had also been aware of this plan. So police talked to Cecilia, who then agreed that she was going to wear a wire. And she recorded some conversations with Pamela in the hopes that she would say something incriminating, which Pamela did. I love when they stick
2: a wire on them. I love a
3: wire. Loving it. Well you're gonna be like you honestly now, Sophie, you're gonna be flicking your beans <laughs> to this one. So this is uh, I've got
2: Bruce, a I've got a wire, life. I'm good to go, I've got a I've got a can of craft yep. beer. Whoa, what yep. <laughs> You've got it
3: all. So um, this is, for example, one of the transcripts. So seeing so seeing what happened, she, wouldn't you rather have just divorced Greg, asked Cecilia, while surreptitiously taping their conversation for the police? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, you know, nothing was going wrong until they t- fucking told Ralph. So this guy was like, the, Ralph Welch, They the kids apparently had gone and told this other lad, and then the whole, like the cat just got out of the bag with the story. Aww. Big mouth so Ralph, the,
2: how annoying.
3: Big mouth Ralph. So the kids, so the te, teenage boys, oh, the parents Ralph, are like, okay, Ralph these, the rat, eh? Ralph <laughs> the rat, indeed. So the teenage boys have, you know, they, they, they're essentially like, they haven't been charged at this point, but they know That these kids were involved, but they're just looking at Pamela as probably the person behind all this. Okay. So that's why they're. They're asking Cecilia to wear the wires. So no shit, said Cecilia. Apparently Ralph Welch had been talking to the police. He was interviewed by the press and told others as well. It's their stupid ass faults that they told Ralph, you know, Pam said. I can't believe they told him, agreed Cecilia. Now they're in jail and like every time we hear Motley Crew, I think of Bill. <laughs> yes. That's,
2: that's so weird that I mentioned Motley Crue. See, I am psychic.
3: You are totally psychic, Sophie.
2: (laughs) So they said. (laughs) So <laughs> oh,
3: yeah this is pamela's response yes yeah, so do i tell me about it that's the thing i never fucking paid him somebody told me i gave you or a stereo and stuff you know if they get certified as juveniles then nobody will ever know anything and they'll be out in a year you know when they turn 18 but i'm just like what the hell i've already got the best freaking lawyers anywhere <laughs> you do said cecilia yeah but they're fucking wicked expensive but what could i do obviously you could afford it no goddamn fucking way said Pam <laughs> didn't I need them but right now they don't have anything to do anything they don't have to do anything unless I'm arrested and if I get arrested then they have to do shit so they can convict me because of fucking Jay or a 16 year old world word in the slammer facing <laughs> the rest of his life
2: sorry well first- I'm just loving the dialogue
3: <laughs> I know. Well, first of all, said Cecilia, you didn't offer to pay him, right? No. So he's not going to say that you offered to pay him, continued Cecilia. He's going to say that you knew about it before it happened, which is the truth right Pamela agreed well so well so then I'll have to say no I didn't and they're either going to believe me or they're going to believe Jay or 16 year olds old in the summer and then who will they believe me with the professional reputation and of course that I teach you know that's the thing they're going to believe me all right said Cecilia well I'll call you I
2: have a no oh, no <laughs> all right
3: no. Pam then invited Cecilia over later so that they could go out together you'd better be there Pam said jokingly or I'll come after you with my Rambo knife (gasps) so but I mean obviously that was a joke but it's just a little bit flippant given that so whilst Cecilia is taping this conversation which like why would you make that conversation now Sophie I mean I think it's fairly incriminating it's so
2: incriminating but I love like I mean sorry I don't love I just I find it funny that like it's so flippant she doesn't give a fuck that she's killed your man like I'm literally seeing her like you know painting her nails or something being like the fucking uh like she's just inconvenience well, yeah. to her she's like oh he's dead and still not straightforward uh you know like
3: Well, it's it's very it's first of all, like it's not really grieving widow stuff. Mm -mm. It does it does absolutely suggest she had some knowledge of this plan. It's very flippant given that like her husband has just been murdered and it's also arrogant because basically she's saying, Well, it's my word against theirs, they're gonna believe me. I mean, it's so it's so obnoxious it's kinda hard to believe. Meanwhile yeah and meanwhile and one of the things which did I suppose work certainly work against her from the very outset because she wanted to be on TV being a broadcaster was her dream she took any TV she could get like and you know she was obviously very attractive lady she was well spoken she was charismatic so like local media stations were lapping her up and a lot of audiences felt again you know she was there with the little dog she didn't in any way come across as like the weeping widow and I know people deal with their grief in different ways but it just seemed like she wanted to be on TV all the time so again that was something that the police found a bit strange So on August 1st, 1990, so Greg has been killed on May 1st, and then a couple of months later, Detective Daniel Pelletier entered uh, Pamela's office unannounced. Pamela recognised him, having spoken to him on these six other occasions. Taken by surprise, she asked, what's up? well Pam Pelletier said in the recording I have some good news and I have some bad news the good news is that we've solved the murder of your husband, the bad news is you're under arrest mm. what
0: for? Gotcha. You know
3: what? <laughs> I will say this guy, because I've watched it, the reason I wanted to do this story actually there's a really really good there's a brilliant on Now TV, there's a great true crime documentary on this and there's also lots of like kind of YouTube documentaries and things like that this detective appears in every single oh, one and every oh, Does he get so all crazy, really so juicy
2: ones like he's and he's got lines like that. Like I've got good news and I've got bad news. The
3: good news is he it. just every yeah every time I come across him in a YouTube video, I just fast forward because he's just saying. So I said to Pam, <laughs> "I've got good news and I've got yeah." We get it.
2: Oh, yeah. Your us. famous line again? Yeah, yeah. Good news, bad news. That's it.
3: thank you Daniel but no and you see there is that that you're like look we're not team Pam here but there is an element of oh fuck off Daniel seriously but anyway
2: I also hate when people do that to me you know that like oh goodness it's like just tell me what you have to tell me now without like leading me along it's like that whole like you know oh I have a bone to pick with you and it's kind of like messing it's like why don't you just tell me the thing that you have to say to me right now and get it out of the way Rather than Yeah, it's just it's well it's all a bit game play, isn't it? And I mean I don't like it.
3: Yeah. I- I think certainly as well for a police detective. Come on. I mean you've really watched too much Miami Vice here. Like you need to just go in and say you're under arrest. So Pamela says what for? And the detective responds, First degree murder, stand up and face the wall. So this Pamela Smart was then handcuffed and arraigned at the Derry District Court and jailed at the Rockingham County Jail. So sorry. the
2: trial itself sorry, says- did you say the Rockingham thing?
3: Rock The Rock and Heavy hand. Metal Rock. Funny, eh? Oh stop, that is funny. It's all it was written in the stars, wasn't it, for this poorly Absolutely. Poor Leo? So Pamela's trial was widely watched and obviously garnered considerable media attention. She faced life in prison if convicted. When oral argument commenced on March the 4th, 1991, Assistant Attorney General Diana Nicolosi portrayed the teenagers as naive victims of an evil woman bent on murder. So these four teenage boys were on trial. And of course, Billy Flynn was the star witness. And his performance, now again, then in the truth, because Pamela and I would have done a lot of TV over the years. Mm-hmm. So, in the documentaries, she would really take issue with Billy portraying himself as, you know, kind of somebody who was misled and, you know, uh, very much under the spell of Pamela no, Smart. So but he did. The, he, he,
2: the kind of, you know, like the, the doe eyed, you know, innocent kind of thing. Like, is there interviews with her where she's like, and the boys just wanted to wanted to kill my husband. Like, is she real? Well,
3: oh, one hundred percent. So she maintained. So so she took a real issue with Billy's certainly with Billy's testimony and the tapes. Of course, were hugely incriminating. Um, but the but the issue she had with Billy Billy's testimony was he was very very upset on the stand in the sense that he you know, was very forthcoming with how they killed him, what the plan was, and that Pamela had been behind it from the start, she maintained that this was a robbery gone wrong. And she said, look, I know I had an affair with Billy Flynn, and this is what she maintained throughout the trial, she was like, "Okay, I had an affair with him. He was pissed off because I wanted to end this affair and focus on my relationship with my husband. Oh. He couldn't handle that, and that's why he killed my husband." So it was very much a he said, she said. So was it the case that she was the puppet master, or was this a teenager taking vengeance no. over a failed relationship? She, I mean, I she would was a the former. Master. Yeah, she was. I mean, I would feel she was. But she, she maintained, she maintained that, that this was completely not the case. So she was like, yes, I had an affair with this teenager. That was wrong. But he acted of his own volition. And this is really what the trial pivoted on. Because there was no question that these teenagers, you know, there were three of the lads in the house. There was one guy driving the getaway car. And that they had killed this man. There was no question. But it was just who was actually behind it, who would come up with the plan and who had engineered it. And what did they, so, they find? Well, the, the prosecution obviously tried to portray Pamela as this really kind of cold-blooded mastermind. And they insisted that, you know, Pamela had seduced Fl- Billy Flynn to get him to murder her husband so that she could ultimately avoid an expensive divorce and benefit from the $140,000 life insurance policy. Sounds about right. And... Yeah, and in her, and again, Obviously, what we just said there, in her testimony, Pamela acknowledged that she had had the affair, but claimed that the murder was solely the doing of Flynn and his friends. That she had had no prior knowledge whatsoever. And again, Billy Flynn had been very open in his testimony about their sexual relationship. That he had fallen in love with her. And Cecilia Pierce also said that you know, and she testified at the trial to say that originally. Pamela and Billy Flynn had just been friends. But then around February, Pamela had confessed to Cecilia that she, quote, loved Bill. So Billy Flynn again claims that he was, which is something that the media really focused on as well at the trial. He claimed that he had been a virgin before he had sex with Pamela. And again, Pamela was like, that was not the case. But the media really honed in on that. Mm.
2: What do you think? I'd say say a guy like Billy had probably... Well, I mean, I think oh, personally, it's very young, me, isn't it? is really little. really.
3: I mean, it is. It is young. I don't know. It's you it's the, very the problem hard problem to know is, Julie,
2: now. all I'm imagining is just the, the movie, The Outsiders, and all the leather lads and that. And I'm like, they were definitely having sex. I guess. <laughs>
3: It, yeah I, mean, I know it's like the the outsider is starring um Paul McCartney, so <laughs> it won't
2: come as it won't so come as a surprise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it won't come as a surprise because the the big thing was Billy finn's testimony and then the tapes. The tapes were very incriminating, and Pamela was very open about the tapes. She said that. Now, does this make sense to me? It doesn't. It really have the ring of truth. But her, she maintained, my lawyer told me not to talk to Cecilia that she would be wearing a wire, and I hung up the phone to my lawyer and I called Cecilia because I was like, no, I need to play along with this because I need to find out what happened. My husband. Oh,
2: done. come on! Did 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 we come no. in the last shower, Pamela? I just I
3: mean it really doesn't have the ring of truth does it so between between Billy's testimony and the tapes no surprises she was found guilty on the 22nd of March 1991 in Rockingham after a 14 day trial of being, quote, an accomplice to first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and witness tampering. Uh, Pamela did argue that the media had influenced her trial and conviction. She could have been charged with capital murder, but the prosecution decided against it. Later that day, she was given a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility for parole. I
2: mean, listen, I'm a little bit sad that her TV dream has been scuppered because she's going to be so bloody old by the time she gets her big Break. you know it's not ideal.
3: Well, I mean, she's, the thing is, is she's never getting out. Like she has, ne- like that. Oh, so actually, it's not like, like it's
2: not like life. Like what is it? Like twenty five? It's actually like life. Oh yeah. So she got it was it
3: was extreme in the sense that she has. There's no possibility for parole well, for I'm her.
2: Really shocked at this now. So yeah. I've so she's of, she's never been, like, out. much shorter sentences for well and. Yeah, and it's it's
3: interesting because you see she was very much portrayed in the media. Like there was an infamous picture, which again I'll send you, and I'm sure you've seen it before. An infamous picture of her posing in her in a bikini, which was it just was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. People made this out that you know she was sending Billy Flynn when they were when Mm -hmm. they were engaged in this affair, like saucy pictures. And then her friend came out and said, no, we were just taking bikini pictures. one another for a bikini contest. Isn't and not
2: like, it she would have had to, like, take the picture, get it developed, put it in the post, and then send it to his house. <laughs> oh my God. Would she be
3: asked? <laughs> and that's why... That's why there was none of this sex no. thing in the 90s, aside from the fact we didn't have mobiles. But she was she was very much... Per, the reason maybe she got a more extreme sentence, aside from the fact that she obviously didn't plead guilty. So the lads were like, we did it. Right. Like, this is why we did it. Uh, she didn't play along. So have worked against her. And she was just seen as very manipulative and that she had been manipulating these boys, which, again, was another... I suppose, again, it was another incriminating factor against her. So she is, Pamela Smart, is still incarcerated. She's still in prison at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women, Westchester County, New York State, where she's serving her life sentence. So she would be, so she was 22 in 1990. So I'm doing the math. So therefore, 1968. Thirty two. She is fifty two now. Oh my god. Yeah, so she's she's, so she's like in New York. State.
2: A youngish I mean middle aged.
3: Well, it's just, well, she's still, I mean, she's, she's still, like, she, re- she really takes care of herself. She does a lot of interviews and things like that. And she still, you know, takes really good care of her image and all that. So she actually looks really, really good, you know, for her age. Uh, she's the only person in New York in, uh, in prison under an interstate compact between New York and New Hampshire. So obviously New Hampshire is quite a small little state. And they transferred her to New York because basically they said, look, we actually, she don't have a secure enough facility to house her which is really unusual that you would transfer a prisoner to another state yeah like it's very unusual um but they just said look because of her profile like we actually can't have her in New Hampshire so they transferred her to New York which is a bit mad and in during her time in prison she spent time tutoring other inmates and she has completed two master degrees wow in October night. 9- yeah and you know what she has she has had a rough time of it in prison and I don't say that like obviously you know she was found guilty of killing her husband Um, I personally would think that she did have like prior knowledge of it that would be my opinion even though she still maintains that was not the case she wears her wedding ring and she insists that I did not know I had an affair oh, the reason on. he was killed because I ended the affair but she she has had so even though I think she did have a, a, she did have a lot uh, she did have a lot of involvement in her husband's murder and
2: oh. he seemed like a really nice guy. Julie, I'm looking. She's at her. had it really, really, yes. I'm looking what at you her. Think? Okay, um, I think that yes, okay. On the surface, she is definitely taking care of herself, glam woman. But there's a hint of the alien warnesses about that mouth. Do you not see that? Oh, do you know what? You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> it's it's an unnerving straight line, a thin straight line, and it just says, I could be capable of anything.
3: Well, it's not. Yeah, well, do you know what? It's, it, it, she was somebody that the media found really hard to read as well it's me. Um, during oh, the trial. Oh, yeah. see the
2: sexy picture. she a great bod back in the day. Amazing
3: bod. Amazing bod. bod. But, <laughs> Actually, something in relation to that picture, she has had a tough enough time in prison. So, uh, for example, in 2003, essentially there was this, so there was this picture released of her from prison where she's dressed in kind of very, I suppose, sexualized, like sexy underwear. And she's doing the exact same pose that she's doing in that picture. Mm-hmm. And those pictures were published in the National Enquirer. Now, they had been taken by a prison guard. Um, now, she was placed in solitary confinement. And then she went on to sue, claiming that her punishment had been unfair, but her lawsuit was dismissed. But then the following year, herself and another inmate, sued officials at the prison claiming sexual harassment very unprofessional to be doing
2: that now to be honest with you
3: well she claimed which uh, you know uh, again like I would I would contend that there is a lot of truth in this that she had been forced because obviously she couldn't go off and buy this underwear and a prison guard had taken the photo so she was like I was being sexually harassed by that guard he sexually assaulted me and he made me take that photo, which I would well yes. believe, um,
2: which, is,
3: which is which is just so horrible. Jesus. It really, it really, really is. So she had insist that she had been coerced into taking these pictures which had been published in the National Enquirer. Um, also, actually, previous to that, which was a really horrible incident in 1996. She was severely beaten by two other inmates, resulting in a metal plate being placed in the left side of her face. And she, yeah, uh, really, really awful. And she's somebody that, for some, she instantly got a really really hard time when she went into the jail and went even before her trial before her conviction and then after her conviction she just got a really really hard time from the other inmates she was always a target maybe because she had this you know media attention and she was being portrayed as this sexy vixen of a you know kind of minute Peter
2: Sutcliffe like you know but yeah. yeah, this is what I'm There's saying. That, like, here, like you know, let's use our cop on, like yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's very, very bad what she did, but like Christ Almighty.
3: What this is, this is it that I personally feel. So, like that's why I was saying. Obviously, you know, I don't want to come across as too sympathetic here because she did kill her husband. I know, I but she has had an awful, awful time in prison. Like she really has. And then you know she was saying that she, you know she kind of she eats maybe one meal a day. You know she wouldn't have. A lot of appetite since she had this metal plate fit into her face. She's like, I might eat one meal a day. That's it. Uh, Meanwhile, Billy Flynn, Patrick Randall, were um, and Patrick Randall, aka Pete, were granted parole in 2015. Raymond Fowler was paroled in 2003, but he was sent back to prison for violating his parole terms in 2004. But has obviously since been released as well. Uh, He was released in 2005. Vance the team Jr. He had his thirty-year sentence reduced by twelve years, in, and then in two thousand and five, he was paroled.
2: So unfair! So they were all unfair they because thought, she yeah. was just kind of the brains of the operation. They they bloody did it. They they killed. Yeah, they snuffed them like So uh, there is.
3: Yeah, there is definitely now. You see, what they would say is is that what the what the state has come out. She's more and dangerous. Said well, I think what their take on it based on what I've read and just the documentaries and stuff that I watched. So they they maintain I like you would read that and think this is so misogynistic. Like it's yeah, so yeah. sexist that the lads have been left I, out. Just say one thing, by the way, just quickly,
2: I'm floored at the Paul McCartney um uh like resemblance. It's just wild.
3: It, I mean he's got it's the same insane. head. Like, it's insane. Paul McCartney,
2: he's just met Linda. They're living down in the organic farm. loads of kids, wings. That's what it is.
3: it's it's way. it is absolutely um,
2: Billy Flynn.
3: And <laughs> if, you, if you type it if you type in Billy Flynn parole twenty fifteen, you'll see okay, Billy Flynn has not, I mean, he has gone from Paul McCartney to Billy Flynn, okay. like, I mean, there's no, it's just, there's no denying okay. But But, oh, but what the state, so I would think, oh, that's really sexist that she's still in prison and they're all out. Right. They maintain, well, she was the adult and they were juvenile. Yeah, by
2: like fucking three years or something, wake up, smell the coffee, wise up, go home. Well, I mean, I,
3: I mean, like, but she, actually, she probably should have. Had. Yeah, okay, a little bit. I should have had. She should have had a more severe sentence than them, but you do wonder, I mean, it's it's just, it's, it has been a long time. She certainly, it would appear, ha, has had, hasn't had has had the best time in prison. Cecilia Pierce then, of course, who was like yeah. Pamela's right-hand woman, she signed a $10,000 option for the screen rights to her story back in the day. So obviously then that was, been like you know, much
2: seems like she got the shit end of the stick with that
3: one well this is it and she actually was really she she i was reading an interview with her in the new hampshire magazine from 2016 and she actually did say that that it really annoys her that so many people presume she got like crazy money she's like i got ten thousand dollars that was it um but she does say she works as a nurse she lives in maine and she did say in an interview if so again she said look when i hear pam talking about her being innocent and she's still maintaining it after all these years it actually makes my blood run cold and she said that if pam could be 100% honest I myself would recommend to the governor that she shouldn't be in jail, but she refuses to do that, which for me, mm-hmm. I think after all of these years is probably the most damning That's statement true. of all. that this. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I then, think, you know. You're right.
2: I got a bit swept up there in the whole, oh, the lads are out, she's not, it's been a long time. But actually she is a bit of a cold hearted. Well, I guess, I
3: guess, Obviously, if she was innocent and had no prior knowledge, you would say this was um this has been a huge miscarriage of justice. Yes. I don't think she's been portrayed fairly in the media. That being said, I do think all the evidence points to the fact that she did know Actually, about this murder. And maybe guilty
2: sin, Julie.
3: I mean, maybe if she admitted that, maybe she would be let out of
2: prison. I know. I know, but you know, that's, that's Leo's, isn't it? That's just what they do. <laughs> That's Leo's. Did I tell you on that? That's like, the, um, so I just googled a straight up Pamela Smart, but the related searches are racy Pamela Smart, today Pamela Smart, and bathing suit Pamela Smart. So it's obviously people getting their yeah. bloody jollies out of Pamela Smart still to this day. It is,
3: and she, yeah, and it is. I do think it is pretty gross that she is like her sexual, her, her her definitely her sex life is very much put on trial mm. as well. And I mean, that, you know, that's not right. It was the early 90s. I mean, would it happen now? Probably, because, you know, generally courts still hate women. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it does leave a sour taste in your mouth for sure. Uh, but I, I think overall... I would say she probably did manipulate those teenagers into doing the killing and ultimately she, the jury did come to the right decision. She was a
2: victim of her own ego a little bit as well wasn't she with the whole you know. well, she doesn't
3: yeah I mean the tapes did her no favours no. whatsoever and certainly if you even look up like say her media appearances immediately after her husband's murder uh, it's 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 kind of disconcerting because she's just loving being on tv it's like there's no i mean meanwhile greg is bear is literally just buried and she's just all about the media coverage she's
2: getting that hair in a nice bouffant slicking on the frosted pink lipstick and heading out that door to the cameras
3: and she, yeah and I think you know ultimately she did come across as a very unsympathetic character during the trial of course she maintained she didn't get a fair trial because of the media and all the rest she does seem to have been a model prisoner in prison uh, like there's no issue there's no issue there but as Cecilia said I think she probably just needs to be honest at this point but she, at this stage she never will be yeah. I'm sure
2: she's probably just like fuck it. I'm here for the long haul now they're not going to let me out
3: yeah. yeah and you know what it's hard not to feel sorry for like in recent interviews she talks about the fact like you know she's never been able to be a mom like all these things have kind of bypassed her and she's still in prison and the world goes on yeah. um you know it's, I mean, but then you have to remind yourself look she did ultimately kill her she husband. might have been a great
2: mom you know like yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> mm, you know we but can't you know can't be cast his good versions, good. but at the same time is a killer. Do you know what's so funny? Yeah, a lot of red flags there. You're right. <laughs> me, me, I'm like, I wish she had a chance to be mom. Really, Chavy? Really? They've given her a bit IVF in prison. You know. <laughs> Oh
3: God. Uh, that is the story of Pamela Smart. Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. If we want to find you, Sophie, where can we find you? Um it?
2: so my Instagram, just just my name, Sophie Shanley, S H A N L E Y. Uh Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I
3: know I say this every time, but love, love, love your Instagram. It's such good fun. Oh,
2: thanks, Julie. Thanks so Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good night, my, night my love. I loved this one. Uh, isn't it a oh, great story juicy and I love that it was like a sexual relationship she had with the, t- with the teens with
3: sexual <laughs> oh, Sophie it's been such a pleasure I'll chat to you next week Miss. brilliant okay
2: uh,
3: wow. thank you for listening to Crimeland
0: this podcast is part of the Headstuff podcast network
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads
1: planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus